0: morning. Good to see you in the house. Yeah. Outstanding. That's what my father-in-law says. I said, Joe, how are you doing? Outstanding, son. Man, it is great to be with you. I'm really, really fired up about kicking off this series, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, the Story of Grace. You know, you, you might remember that just a few short months ago, we here in Austin had been without rain for decades, we, we hadn't seen a rain cloud, hadn't felt a raindrop, but God brought the rain back, and it started to rain again, and it, and it felt good, and I'll never forget the first really solid rain that we had. Back home in Houston, we would call it a frog choker. It was a gully washer, and Julie and I were lying in bed at night, and you could hear the rain kind of pitter-pattering on the shingles on our roof. And we were just like, man, this is awesome. We are going to be saving so much money. No more $10,000 water bills. It's going to be great. And I'm just kidding. Our water bill wasn't ten grand. I am seeing if you were paying attention. But we were laying in bed listening to the rain fall on the roof. And I was just like, man, this is awesome. And I said, I love you. She said, I love you. Night-night. And as the rain began to pitter-pat on the roof, we heard a little accelerated amplified pitter-pat within our room and we began to hear a little it's annoying isn't it and and I remember lying there in bed going if I just lay here and act like I'm asleep maybe Julie will get up and do something about it and and Julie sprang up right in bed and she said do you hear that I said hear what she goes It's dripping inside, and sure enough, there was a drip coming in on the carpet in our bedroom, and I threw threw off the covers and went to the garage to get one of those Home Depot buckets that we have in the garage, and I I brought it back in. I said, here it is, and it's dropping. I said, man, this is unbelievable. I felt on the carpet where it was, because it wasn't really dripping a lot. You couldn't see it because it was dark, and I was really half asleep. But I started feeling around on the carpet, and sure enough, I found a wet spot that one of our dogs had not created and <laughs> set the bucket there. And I said, there it is. All right, I'm going back to bed. I got back in bed, and what had begun as a, p- 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 now was a, p- because boom, p- boom, p- boom, p- boom, it was hitting in the bottom of that barrel bucket and then echoing up through it like a bass drum. So I got out of bed again, and I, I put a beach towel in the bottom of it. And that worked. But the next morning, Julie and I got up and we were like, where was that water coming from? And so I went and got a ladder and I climbed up into the little crawl hole in our ceiling and got up in the attic like I was going to be able to do anything about it. You know what I'm talking I mean, I, I'm not a plumber. How many of you men, let's be honest, this is church, so don't lie. How many of you men have ever had car trouble and you've popped the hood and you knew there was nothing you were going to be able to do about it? <laughs> That's what I was doing up in the attic that die, that day. And so I called a roofer. I said, man, we've got a leak. I don't know where it's coming from, but it happened when it started raining. He said, I'll come over. This roofer was genius. He put a garden hose at the top of our roof and just started running water down to find out where the drip was coming from. What had happened was in that dry spell, some of the flashing on one of the little smokestacks on our our (laughs) exhaust stacks in our roof, The flashing had pulled away, and so the rain was just kind of dripping in there, but it wasn't like just gushing through. It would just kind of run down, and then it would hit a PVC pipe and just run along it and then drip into our bedroom. And we had to identify the source of the water in order to be able to deal with the water. I think a lot of times grace is like that drip. We don't fully understand the source of grace and so how we address it and how we deal with it in our lives many times if we're not careful if we're not really deliberate we can mess up how we appropriate how we experience and how we express this amazing grace that God gives us and this is true no matter where you are spiritually you may be here today and you're kind of kicking the tires of the Christian faith and checking it out and for you, grace is, man, I'm all about, grace, all about that grace, all about that grace, all about that grace. But some of you ask your kids about that at lunch. They'll tell you. Why, why were those people laughing? Just ask them. But you think, man, I like that grace, but you know that the rest of the Bible stuff, all that stuff about thou shalt not, no, I'm not down with that. But I'll take the grace because there's something about grace that resonates with all of us. Others of us, maybe you're a long-time, wily veteran of the faith, and you've been you've been following Christ since Moses was a boy, and you're just kind of, you've been doing it. And it's just what you do. But I think for us who maybe have been around the Christian faith longer and been in it longer, we have to be reminded from time to time, just truly how amazing grace really, really is. So. I want to invite you, take out your program that you got when you came in this morning. It looks like this. Take it out. I want to give us kind of a working definition for grace, kind of a, a baseline, foundation for where we're going to be over the next few weeks. That's not how long this sermon is, but this series is a few weeks long. The, the word grace just simply means this. It is the undeserved favor of God. It's the undeserved favor of God. It means you, you can't have done anything, I couldn't have done anything to have deserved grace. Now, intellectually, most of us would kind of nod knowingly and, and internally probably go, Amen, preacher, yes, you preach that grace, amen. But, if we're not careful, we can live in such a way that we feel like we are earning God's grace. Well, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but uh, I went to church this week. That's just kind of what I do. I don't know. I'm not bragging really and truly, but uh, I helped my wife with the kids this week. I'm pretty awesome. And we start to think, you know, God ought to be blessing me. God ought to be loving me. God ought to be forgiving me because why? Why? I'm a good guy. I'm I'm a good girl. And we forget that grace is always first, middle, and last, always undeserved. You can't do anything to deserve or earn the grace of God. I want you to tell the person sitting next to you right now with passion and enthusiasm, you can't do it. Some of you wives enjoyed that a little bit too much. But it's true. You cannot do it. And there's a passage of Scripture in the book of Romans, chapter number 5, that I want us to kind of dive into today to really establish the baseline for the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'll explain where we're going as we go through this. But in Romans chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is explaining grace. He's explaining what it is that God has done, why it is that God has done it. And I want to unpack this today. Verse 6 through 8 in Romans chapter 5. This is what the Bible says. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God... Showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Now, in this little three verse passage that we just read, there is at least two semesters of seminary packed into this of meaning and significance. We're not going to spend two semesters on it, but I do want to get into it. First of all, what you have to understand about grace is that grace originates in God. Grace originates in God, and in God only. You can't do it. I can't do it. None of God's children can do it. It originates in God It is an expression of the fact that God is good. Now, a lot of times when we think about grace, we think about a prayer that we say before a meal, like, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food, amen. And it is true that God is great, and it's true that he is good, and that we should thank him for our food, but the fact that God is good is where this all begins. Whatever you believe about God, wherever you may be in your relationship or anti-relationship with God, believe this, God is good. It's It's a function of the fact that God is love. He is always good. And so grace originates with God. See, we have trouble with this, I think, a lot of times as Americans as self-made men and women, products of the Puritan work ethic. There's nothing wrong with a work ethic. It's biblical. But the problem comes in when we begin to appropriate the belief and then the actions that support the belief that we've earned something. We, We love lists, don't we? Think about Books, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, The Ten Commandments of Dating. We like lists where we say, if this, then that. I've done this, so God ought to do this. When in reality, grace just is. Grace originates in God. That's who He is. And it's part of what He's done. And there's a reason why that resonates with us so much. Because I think all of us, deep down inside, if we are totally honest with ourselves... But certainly with God, if we're totally honest, we understand that we need grace. When you've ever experienced grace, there's some of us like, wait, seriously? How many of you remember like getting grounded by your parents? I, I remember that vividly. A little too frequent. One of my favorite stories of grace happened to my wife, Julie. She was home at Mississippi from college and Julie had had a bad semester in college. Her grades were terrible. She made a 3-2. My mother would have thrown a parade for a 3-2. <laughs> but Julie was capable and is capable of a lot more than I am. And so she got home, and this was one of these semesters where her grades beat her home. You ever have one of those? And she, she was a little nervous. She was, she was, you know, nervous about going home and talking to her dad about her grades and she got home, they had dinner, the reunion, everything's cool. Oh yeah, it was fun. Yay, I studied hard, and later that night, Julie and her dad were passing each other in the hallway. And she's like, Night, Daddy. And he goes, Julie, did you see your grades? She goes, Yes, sir. He goes, All right then. The next semester she made a three point nine. All he, all he did, he didn't ground her, he didn't, you know, take away her car or make her move home, he just said, all right then. And she was so worried about the consequences, she was so worried about what he might have done, that when he did nothing, she was so motivated to go study. When you receive grace, when somebody says, you know what, I appreciate that you messed up and don't worry about it, we're, we're, we're going to wipe the slate clean. You're like, blah, blah, blah. sorry, what? Grace originates in God. You can't do enough to earn the grace of God, which takes us to the second point. Number two, grace eliminates our goodness as grounds for salvation. Everybody, do some air quotes. Put some air quotes around goodness. Goodness. Goodness gracious. But, but that's really prevalent in our world. So many people I talk to are like, man, do you know <clears throat> whether or not you, you would go to heaven? Or do you know? And like, oh, yeah, I'm totally, man, I'm Christian boy. Yes, I'm down with the whole Christian thing. Really, tell me about that. Well, I'm a good guy. They'll say, I'm a good guy. Or I'm a good girl. And what they're really saying, and I understand that, man. A lot of times we're saying, well, I'm a good guy compared to him. I mean, I I never murdered anybody. Haven't cheated on my taxes this year yet. I'm a good guy. I'm a good girl. I I would never talk bad about people like she does. What'd you just do? Did you catch that? (laughs) But you see, The Bible says that my goodness, your goodness, ain't good enough. Because my goodness is not the standard. The standard is God's goodness. So if you spent the rest of your life at the corner of 6th and Congress helping little old ladies cross the street, you will never be good enough. Let me tell you why. Because even if you escort little old ladies across the street at 6th and Congress and all of them remain safe, there's going to be a part of you at some point that's going, I'm helping little old ladies cross the street at 6 in Congress. <laughs> you may want to tweet that. I, I, just, I, don't, you know, I don't like to brag, honored, humbled, blessed. I'm just telling you, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just helping people. That's just what I do. And so there's a part of that that's always, always there. The Bible says in Isaiah that our righteous acts. The best of our best, on our best day, our righteous acts are like filthy rags before God. You see, we can't do enough good to earn God's favor. I've got a really good friend who started a business in Columbus, Ohio, and it's a kind of a technology service business, and they're looking to expand, particularly in other college towns across the country. And One of their targeted cities for expansion is where Emily, my daughter, goes to college in Charleston, South Carolina. And so Emily texted me. She said, they're coming to Charleston. Do you think they'll have a friends and family discount? I texted her back and I said, what about an employee discount? She texted me back, you're not funny. I texted her back and said, I know, wasn't trying to be. You see, when you work somewhere, you earn compensation. You earn a wage. You can't earn grace. If you've earned it, it isn't grace. Because it's undeserved. If, if, my, goodness, my, if, if my goodness was enough to earn salvation, to earn grace, to be made right in a relationship with God then why would Jesus have come to earth? Why would Jesus go to the trouble of leaving his rightful place in heaven at the right hand of God and become a human being, walk on this earth, preach, heal, forgive, save, die on a cross, the most painful death that the world has ever devised, in order to rise again on the third day? Why would he do that if we could do it for ourselves? It defies logic. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But the amazing thing about grace is that it completely eliminates our goodness as grounds for salvation. Now, some people will say, well, if it's all under grace, man, let it fly. (laughs) I can do whatever I want. Some people call this college But you see, when, when we live like that, then we've completely misunderstood the depth and the profound nature of grace. Because while, while grace originates with God and it eliminates our goodness as a grounds for salvation, real grace really understood and experienced, real grace Motivates Christ likeness. You see, when you start to understand what it is that God has done for you, what it is that God has rescued you from, you're now motivated to live like it. Now you're motivated by grace, you're motivated by love. You're not motivated by fear anymore. So some people grow up in kind of a fear based religious environment. If you don't, then God's going to cut you down. If you do, then God's going to cut you down. And grace says, no, 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 no. It's because of grace that you are saved, that you are forgiven. That's what makes it so amazing. And when you understand how amazing it is, then you're kind of like, man, I just, I just want to respond to that. I just, I, just want to, I just want to live my life in a way that says, God, thank you. Oh, I'm going to follow you with everything I've got. And that motivates that Christ-like attitude, that heart, the words that come out of your mouth, the way you conduct business in the marketplace, the way you parent, the way you date. It motivates you when you understand how deep and how wide and how amazing grace really is. So yes, grace covers over all of our sins, but it doesn't give us license to sin even more. When we understand grace, man, we're, we're motivated. I once was lost, but now am found. You know, once you've been lost, but then found, you don't want to be lost again I was five years old. My family had gone to Beaumont, Texas to visit my grandparents. And Beaumont had just built their first mall. It was a big deal in Beaumont. The Parkdale Mall. Clothing stores. Record stores. But there was one little slice of Parkdale Mall, just this little little hole in the wall space that was called the gold mine. And the gold mine was an arcade where you could go in and feed quarters into games, really advanced technological games like Pong. (laughs) And I was in the gold mine one time and I was so entranced with the games that were going on. I would play a few and then i just kind of walk around and watch them. And, And I remember turning around to find my family and I turned around and they were gone and I kind of... Started to get a little bit, you know, freaked out, and I walked out into the middle of the mall, and I just saw knees and butts of people that I didn't recognize. And so, you know, even at five, six years old, you're kind of like, well, I don't want to, you know, freak out. I'm going to be kind of cool, and I'm walking around, and all of a sudden, my mom came, and she said, Mac, where'd you go? But I'm going to be honest with you. The second I was found, I wasn't worried anymore about being cool. I was so relieved to be found and not lost anymore. I was just like, Mom, I'm sorry. I mean, I just, but I can tell you this. I never lost sight of her again on that trip to the mall. Everywhere she went, I followed her because I don't want to be lost again. When you come to faith in Christ, when you receive God's grace initiative, you don't want to go back and be lost again. You're motivated to follow him wherever he goes. Because you understand that he's good. And it will never lead you somewhere that won't glorify him and also be for your good may not be convenient certainly will not be easy but it'll be good now I I think to to study grace is important to, to to wrap our brains and our minds and our hearts around it but let's be honest nothing can compare to seeing grace nothing can compare to in the power of a life that's been touched and changed by grace.
1: I was born into a, a minister's home, a music minister, actually. My parents were hired as a ministry team, oftentimes. My mom would direct uh, the youth and young adult and the children's choirs, and my dad would do the main praise and worship service and the the adult choir. Needless to say, I grew up in a very uh, comfortable, amazing, godly home at the age of 11 when we came home from Glen Rose Dinosaur Exhibit. um, Dad's stuff was gone. They asked uh, my sister and I to step outside on the driveway, and an hour and a half later, I learned that uh, Dad was going to be leaving and getting a new home and that my parents would be divorced. I was... uh, confused, I was insecure, I was frustrated, I was devastated, I was beyond angry, and um, that developed into bitterness, which was very poisonous for me later on in life. Right out of high school, got my first job in in full-time ministry at Salado United Methodist Church. I left there because my praise and worship band, Gone Rock and Roll, uh, got our first record deal with Brando Universal and started touring the nation full-time, playing our rock and roll spiritual material. Life was going incredible. The Lord had opened huge doors. Um, I was now singing for a group called Mother's Anthem. We uh, toured full-time for six and a half years. It was an amazing run. had the opportunity to play with some really big bands. And I uh, met a young lady at a show one night in College Station, Texas. She was way too beautiful for me. and uh, We uh, talked that night, and two weeks later we started dating, and six months after that we were married. That poison that Satan had planned early on in my life um, when my parents' divorce uh, was revisited um, when I got into a terrible situation with my now ex-wife. I uh, will go as far as to say there was some, some verbal, physical, and mental uh, abuse there. Um, uh, it, it was shocking. You don't think that a man can, uh, can take that on from a woman, but it's, it's very real and it happens a lot more than you'd think. Things went from bad to worse, and uh, we eventually divorced. I had not touched a lot of uh, alcohol at that time, and needless to say, I became my environment. We decided to disintegrate the band, um, and things really fell apart. I had $12 left to my name, and a dog, and a couch, and um, embarrassed, um, confused again, insecure, um, bitter, and really hurt, I moved up to Dallas, Texas, and just lost my head. Um, I put down the guitar and I picked up a bottle, I completely turned my back on the Lord, and Quite literally cursed him at times um, for me, dedicating my entire life to him. And this is how I'm repaid, you know, like I'm owed something. The song I had to learn uh, for my first uh, special uh, here at Lake Hills was a song called Home, and it was the story of the, prodigals, the prodigal son. It, it became uh, rather quickly, okay this became a confessional, I could barely get through the practices uh, that I was doing of the song. I definitely still had some things I needed to work on though, quite honestly. I was in an on and off again relationship with a young lady I had met. Some of the values weren't exactly the same, not saying that hers were wrong and mine were right, Um, but I was changing. Who I had been was completely different from who I was turning into, and at some point we decided to part ways. Um, I got a phone call um, two, three weeks after that moment. Um, Kirk, uh, we're pregnant. Um, Everything that you can imagine went through my mind at that moment. And I remember, I wanted to be angry because I didn't understand what, why is this going on? What is happening? And, and right now with things going so well, now I'm about to um, lose all this new stuff in my life because of these decisions I've made. I remember calling uh, Mac and I remember his response. Kirk, I want you to consume yourself in the Word. Kirk, I want you to pray. I'd like for you to call and check in with me. I'd like to know how you're doing. Um, But I'm going to need you to step off the platform for a little bit. Again, thought that would be my last communication with Lake Hills Church. And on the 24th of September, at about 10 (laughs) a.m., Grace looked me straight in the eyes. And I was blown away. All the things I had done and been through, and all the mistakes, all the times I took my back to the Lord, He gave me the most precious thing. And I was holding her in my arms and looking at her and feeling her heartbeat that first night. And and her making noises and she was just there and it was, it was the most incredible thing. I was, um, softened completely. Every bit of hardness that had been there, every bit of that street savvy, quick to get in the fist fight guy that I had become, um, was gone immediately. So today, um, my daughter Lindley, Grace, is a year and five months old. Um, I have the absolute privilege of being a part of the worship team and helping everyone engage in in worship uh, here at Lake Hills. Um, I'm extremely blown away to have a professional music career once again. Um, I feel like if you would have told me three years ago, Kirk, you're going to play country music full time. It's going to be your living. Kirk, you're going to be at this great church leading worship. Kirk, you're going to have a beautiful baby girl. I would have just laughed and um, this is an absolute story of grace. I'm humbled, I'm extremely blessed, and um, so grateful of the path the Lord has taken me down.
2: Sadness from wherever you've been. Come broken hearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, O oh sinner, come near. Earth has no sorrow, heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow, heaven can't heal So let
0: that God is in this moment if you're here today and you have never responded to God's grace initiative personally and definitively as a church we want to give you the opportunity to do that to step into the grace of God personally to experience it day in and day out, forever. It's not about being religious. It's about the grace of God. If that's you today and you want that, you know that you need that then I wanna invite you to pray. Just right where you're sitting, a prayer of commitment, a prayer of beginning a relationship with Jesus. Just right where you're sitting in your own words, something like this, just say, Jesus, I need you. I need your grace. confess my sin to you right now in order to claim your forgiveness once and for all. Jesus, I choose to believe that you died on a cross for me and that you rose again for me. So In exchange for your life, I give you mine. All of who I am. Jesus, I pray this prayer in your name. I want to ask everyone if you would just remain with your heads bowed for another moment or two. But if you just prayed that prayer, this is the biggest moment of your life. It's the moment for which you were created, and it's the moment upon which God will build everything else that comes afterward. So it's a big deal. It's a big deal that you recognize that, that you know that it's real. so if that was your prayer today and you meant it as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed I want to ask you if you would raise your hand just quietly but definitively high over your head and as you hold your hand in the air I want to make sure that you understand this is a big deal for us as a church we want to be a church family to you to help you grow in this grace relationship So as a church, we recognize the weight of this moment. We celebrate it with you. And so as you put your hands down, we put our hands together and we tell you, welcome home. Welcome home.